Welcome to Uplifting Humans, where we honor, empower, educate, and inspire the listener with real stories and expert advice. Our returning guest is Luke Sellers. Luke was first introduced to meditation 14 years ago as a possible solution to mental illness and addiction due to brain trauma from playing professional ice hockey. He has developed his approach to self-realization and self-mastery through his experiences as an ice hockey player and dedicated practitioner of Kriya Yoga, heart meditation, mindfulness, and Tibetan heart imagery over the past 16 years. How are you, Luke? Doing wonderful. Nice to, nice to be here with you again. Thank you so much for joining us because everyone has been asking me, when is the story going to continue? We need to, we need to uh, really understand what Luke had gone through because in your story, Luke, lies everyone else's story to a certain degree. And, um, you know, again, I, my hat's off to someone like you who's been through a lot. So if you want to just pick up where we left off. Yeah, I Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for having me in, in that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I think all of our journeys are clothed um, or we have similar journeys clothed in their own way in our own lives, some more extreme than others. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think the, 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 the fundamental um, necessity of being a human being is to be accepted, to be loved, um, to, to feel part of something. And, you know, when I, when my behaviors off ice, when I was playing sports and that went down a certain path that I found myself that my community and peers that I had known to be my closest friends and that had turned their backs on me. And rightfully so. I was a wild card. I mean, I wasn't behaving myself. I was drinking excessively. I was doing a lot of drugs. I was not acting uh, in a way that was of integrity and authentic. And I was lying and all these things. So I found myself there with the community of peers that I've known my whole life is really my only support system because playing sport at a high level, you don't develop any other part of your life. I uh, found mm. myself just kind of out in the cold and didn't have anybody. Um, so I started searching and, and looking for, for ways to be able to get better. And what I really realized fundamentally is that I didn't know anything about life. I didn't have any skill sets. I hadn't finished school. I, I didn't, I just didn't, I just didn't have the ability to navigate the, the difficulties that life throws at us, which I think a lot of people can attest to. Uh, so I started looking, I went to my family doctor first and foremost, where he put me on antidepressants. And then from there, they scheduled time for me to get in to see a psychiatrist and got in to see a psychiatrist and they diagnosed me with depression, anxiety, ADHD, and bipolar. And back then, um, they didn't really understand that these could have been byproducts from head trauma. So I found myself sitting there in that office with all of the life sucked out of me or any little life that was left. And my mother was with me and I remember leaving that office and getting in her car in the passenger seat and just breaking down because I, I thought my life was over. I remember the psychiatrist mm. saying something along the lines like, go get, a, go get a job that doesn't involve much pumping gas or something because you're probably not going to equate or, or become much more than that in your life. And that's something that always stuck with me. I was broken. And still yes. self still self medicating in that, and and I was went down that path for a period of time of a good couple of years where I was heavily medicated, and that's really when my life got to the worst part of it because I did not have the capacity to feel emotion. I already right. was somebody who was conditioned as a as a as a sportsman and more competition in that, but those 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 medications and the way they mixed together really created you know I was a shell of a person and. 
And I just got to the point where I didn't want to live. So mm. I went and how off. Old, how old were you? Sorry for interrupting uh, me. No, it's but okay. It's yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. How no, I, old were you? I was in and around that age. I was about 26, 20, about 26 or so. 25, 26. I, was, I think I was diagnosed around 25. So 26, 27, those two years were real dark. I was pissed mm. off at the world. I was a big guy. I knew how to fight. And uh, I was still seeking the notoriety and the fame and fortune, so to say, living in a dream, thinking I'd get back to playing hockey one day and yes. went into a lot of unhealthy behaviors and that eventually got to the point where I went off the meds cold turkey, which I don't advise anybody to do because I don't think I slept for about 10 days or so and, and found myself, and I think we touched on this in the last session, I found myself in front of an old guy in East Man eventually through all of my journeys and that, and he looked at me and said, do you realize you're a soul, not your physical body? And, yes. and that took me into this place that I was just kind of like, I've never heard this before. I mean, it's, I, I, so I started researching religion and religion yes. wasn't something and, and half, half, you know, kind of half-assed it, reading the Bible and the Quran and these things and yes. not really understanding what was going on. And yes. I realized that they were all saying the same thing. Of course. <laughs> more, or le- more or less, they were all yes. saying the same thing. And I also yes. subconsciously or intuitively realized that everyone in my life that was trying to tell me how I needed to live my life, which weren't the trained professionals. I had the one team there that was really, really good. Everyone else was telling me to live my life. You got to do this. You got to do that. And, and intuitively, I could sense. And I didn't know what intuition was then. I'm thinking, yeah. these, these people don't look happy. <laughs> and they're Too serious. Me, and, they're ta- and, and, and you just touched on a big part of what I'd like to, you know, it's, I think one of the biggest things that gets us into trouble as human beings, whether you're on a spiritual path, you're on whatever path it is for you is perfect in the way that it is. Uh, when we take ourselves too seriously, we start to think <laughs> that we're too important, which happened yes. to me when I started sharing meditation, people are showing up, you start thinking, oh my God, I'm special. And then, then you know, you get hit on the side of the head real quick with that whole thing. Yeah. So we can't take ourselves too seriously. We have to find the humor in everything, which can be hard uh, in it when it's going on. But the people around me were trying to tell me how to live my life. And intuitively, I just went in the other direction. Of course. Of course. So I, I got into meditation. Um, and, and that's what has really saved my life because it's been something I've done consistently for a very long time now. And, and through that practice of beingness, I just started to see that things lightened up in my life. It, it was torture in the beginning. I just started yes. to see that my relationship to the things out here were not where I would like them to be. I had no money. I was working minimum wage on a construction site, but it really just wasn't that bad. And in mm-hmm. fact, when I was an athlete and, and had all that responsibility, I had less enjoyment there. So I got a real big dose of humility when my father gave me a job working because I had no education at 28 when my career ended, gave me a yes. job. He had a construction company and he gave me a job working at the bottom of the totem pole, sweeping up after all the tradesmen. And I was pissed off at first. I was like, really, dude? Like, you're not going to give me like a salary or something? Yeah, like, yeah. No, here's, I think it was 14 bucks an hour, which was above minimum wage. Yeah. And those two years were some of the most fundamentally, fundamentally important years for me to really grow and get out of. I don't, I'm not out of my ego completely and where I live my life now. It's still there. So I'm not going to start saying that. But it gave me a real big dose to realize that I was just the same as everyone else. And I wasn't special so to say from a you know physical reality type standpoint I think we're all special in in who we are at source but it was a real big dose because I always was treated in a way that I was different and special and had more access to you know you never waited in lines places you never paid for dinners and all that kind of stuff it was a huge dose of reality thank god 
Amazing. Well, you know, to, uh, to leave it up to a parent to actually bring you back to earth, right? A mother, a mother. For <laughs> sure. yeah, well, oh, yeah. my dad in that case, my mom helped save my life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah so so that's a beautiful thing and um at what point now i know that you went into meditation and meditate getting into meditation folks just for the listeners out there is not the easiest thing to go to um usually if you do something more physical like uh, yoga or something it's actually easier to step into because you're still uh, you've still got the mind involved to a certain degree and and I mean, I can only imagine what you must have gone through to go into meditation. Now, how, what process did he take you through to go into meditation? Well, well, the interesting thing, because I was a competitive jock, my first couple of years of meditation was a competition. So I, did, I never, I, I, it, it completely went against what it was. And I, you know, and I had, I went to school to be a nutritionist, a, a remote schooling to heal from a lot of the meds and that I was on it. And a book was given to me at the age of 24. So previous to when all this happened on Zen meditation, Oh, okay. which, which for meditators understand and realize, and I'm not very well versed in Zen meditation. I, I, I know it to a degree is probably the hardest way for a Westerner to start because you're just there and just completely watching everything as it comes up and letting it go at least in the form that i had read about where you have pains in the body and you just sat with the pain you just just sat and then eventually it would pass i had a lot of aches and pains in my body and i had it in my head that meditation meant i had to be sitting on a cushion in in a lotus posture or something close to it and my body i was 250 pounds i didn't get into that position so here i look back at myself and i'm man do i ever laugh it's like there for two years every day for like 90 minutes i'd sit there and it tortured myself. Yeah. The thing about it is, is the repetitive habitual behavior, which a lot of athletes, I think, can, which a lot, can, can, can really perform just doing something over and over and over again uh, without getting bored of it, I guess. Uh, I just did it. So the habit was there. So I think one of the biggest, you know, suggestions and things that I, with, with people that want to learn how to meditate is, first, be kind to yourself. Come at it like a, like a child. Don't take it so seriously. And just create the actual flow of habit day to day. Maybe it's five minutes. Every day you do it. So you always have that thing there. And I think eventually that seed, once planted, you start to water it and it starts to flourish. And for me, it really flourished when I walked. I was given a book called um, The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life by Jumbalo Melchizedek. And it sat on my shelf from probably 26 to 28 and 29 or so. I was in quite a dark place. I was doing a lot of self, you know, kind of the work that we see out there, your therapies and that. And I came out of the shower and it fell off the shelf and I started reading it. And I was like, this is like, I wasn't into this stuff. I was, I mean, literally like sports, alcohol, drugs, and women. That's it. (laughs) That's a good routine. It's it's the worst. It's it's a horrible routine. I mean, I, I think a lot of men think it sounds great, but trust me, it is not because you'll pay the rest of your life cleaning the karma that you created in those experiences. But I started reading this book and then I started searching for a flower of life teacher. Now, yes, this book I was reading in going back now 15 years. So I was like 2005. Well, the flower of the heart workshop had stopped being taught in the 90s. In the early 2000s, it shifted to earth, heart, sky. And there I am looking for teachers. This is how much I didn't know looking for teachers from the flower of the heart workshop. And I sent out like 20 emails to what I could find online. Nobody ever got back to me or uh-huh. 10 of them, or and rightfully so. Anyways, eventually in 2011, I think, 
10, something in around there, I walked into the exact workshop, Awakening Illuminated Heart, that my now wife found, Daniel Mattel, who's been a beautiful teacher of mine for a very long time. And I walked into that workshop and I'll never forget the first line that was said. And, and I think a lot of people can attest to this in their life where it's like that thing happens. It's like when I was told, you realize you're a soul, not your physical body. This one was, yes. you're all here to learn about the human light body. And, and that's wonderful and everything. But the source of all of this is the heart. And when I heard that, it was like, boom, because in our community, then it was uh, body, mind, spirit. Yes. Even yes. To today, there's a lot of talk of body, mind and spirit, leaving out the most important or not the most important, but, but right, the heart. And, that's right. And, that's and from there, I was just taken by it. It was I just started practicing the tiny space of the heart meditations. And from there, over the last almost decade, things have just you know, opened up. It hasn't always been easy. It's been a very difficult journey, a lot of hard work, a lot of cleaning of, of karma and that, a lot of health issues in the last 10 years. I had a heart attack. I had a stroke, actually, and a, a few mini strokes. I've had, you know, a lot of, a lot of things going on. Most recently, um, a, a diagnosis, which we feel going back to childhood of Asperger's, um, mm. which is probably the underlying thing of a lot of um, different things that have come up in my life. So, it's a journey. It's, it's a beautiful journey. If we can just stay the course and not let our mind take us in different directions, I think we get there eventually. And we are going to get there eventually, each one of us. It's just yes. a matter of, would you like to go in a direct line or would you like to walk around in circles before you exit through that door there? And, and now for me in the last few years, it's been so beautiful because I feel I'm past that point where, you know, life is, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it doesn't mean it's not hard at times and, you know, earning a living and all these things of the physical reality, but I, I more times than not are kind of now in my life specifically in the last six months, 12 months, just as the observer. And, and uh, it's really amazing to, to be in this way because you're actually able to be present with people and yes. be able to feel them and be able to, what, which the feminine energy and women on this planet know in, so intimately, intimately is the ability to actually feel true compassion, which is putting yourself in the other person's shoes and seeing through their eyes. I was never able to do that in my life because I was mm. so analytical and, it's one of the greatest gifts I've had now. And, and also the beautiful gift of all of the womanizing that took place in my life to now be able to look at women as human beings and as friends and not as objects. And it's, I'm really at a state of peace in my life. If nothing else happens for me in this lifetime, I'm, I'm really, really, really good. And so if you were given the opportunity to go back and uh, have the experiences again, hmm. would, you, would you go through them again? To realize that each one of them actually was to actually refine you, wake you up and go, or is there any sort of a regret? No regret. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. However, if I had have had awareness back then, I probably would have navigated them differently and my life would have unfolded in a different way, but that's not the, that's not where I was at. So I really think that this is something where we, when we are living in the memory of the past or the imagination of the future is where the regret comes in or where the never really being present. And, you know, that imagination of the future breeds anxiety and the memory of the past breeds depression. Now, all that being said, it's not like you can just decide that you don't want to be there. And I think that's where we're coming to realize as a global population that you have to show up for yourself before you show up for anyone else. And that has to be consistent. Otherwise, you don't have a defined, deep relationship with yourself, which is the definition of meditation, to get to know yourself better. Yes. So, we're, so most people aren't friends with themselves. Right. If you're a friend with yourself, you're not going to allow yourself to be taken by frustration because your friend said this and your yes. whole day's ruined. 
However, yes. we don't have the awareness. So it's, so it's, it's part of our process. So yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm, I'm so blessed and grateful for all of it because if you remove one iota of it, I'm not here where I am now with you in this beautiful moment, being able yes. to experience the, this life right here, right? It's, it's, that's just, right. it's just so amazing for me. That's right. That's, that's beautiful. Now, at what point, and I know because Luke and I, uh, just for the odd listening audience out there, Luke and I actually um, uh, got connected through a wonderful, wonderful master teacher of meditation, Daniel Mittau. And of course, Luke is uh, an amazing, amazing teacher himself, equal caliber in my eyes. Um, at what point, Luke, were, were you intro, introduced to Daniel Mattel and then that journey began? And, and, and just also to point out, Luke is very well-traveled. He's, uh, he's, he's a master teacher, not just because he's appointed and given a title of master teacher, but, you know, he is, he is doing the work. He's been there. He's taught all sorts of people. And I also want, Luke, you to touch on... Um, the um, practices of alternative meditation, uh, sorry, of medication that you also do. Definitely, definitely. So um, if we go back and start with Daniel, so again, it was back in, I think, 2010, 11, in around there. It's um, on when I came into his field and it was, um, it was very interesting. Um, you know, I, I've always been obedient so to say, I grew up in a household where it's yes, sir, no, sir. And, and you do what the adults tell you to do. And, um, you know, they've had more experience on the planet. Why would you not? Um, and within sports and that, it's always something you, you just, you're a good soldier. Um, and when I came into that relationship with Daniel, which was, you know, essentially master and devotee or seeker or disciple, and not that, that he uses those types of words, but I was there and I was fully well you know, giving of myself to receive whatever the offerings or teachings are. And with him being a Zen master, these guys are really interesting because you come to them with a question and they're like, uh, they give you another question or they <laughs> yes. meditate more. It's a very interesting dynamic, which is very beautiful for me because I, I really learned how to empower myself and seek the answers. And then I would come back. But in the early days, he would come into town every 90 days, every three months and teach in Pickering. And I'd be there every time, whether it was a workshop I'd done before or not, and just really relished in the guidance and assistance that, that he was giving. And really, I mean, he's really a beautiful human being and has done so much in bringing different techniques. And, and what I've come to realize in my own practices and, and really following his guidance is taking a lot of the really authentic Eastern practices and that, distilling them down, delivering them to a Western world so that they can be consumed and understood. So in these times now, when we have such a short attention span, which I think is a seven, seven seconds of your average person, we don't have 10 hours a day to be sitting in meditation. We need to be able to get a result on, on, on our investment of time. And over time, it's, it's just been a beautiful friendship. Um, you know, I came to see that he was actually my father in a previous lifetime. So it's been interesting having a life here where I could feel that love and appreciation and connection to, to my spiritual father, also having my biological father in this life. And then, you know, three, four years ago, he had approached me to be part of the School of the Heart. And, and it's where we're, where we're at now. And, and really just a commitment of human beings that are no better or no worse than anyone else that have, you know, been introduced to this way of moving the spirit, the 18 inches from the polarity field of the brain into the heart and feeling called to share that with the world. I think we have 160 teachers worldwide and doing the best that they possibly can. I think we need to remember in these times now, the guru, which means God, 
is not outside of you. It's inside of you. And we can't allow that to take us somewhere into thinking that we are the guru. But what yes. we need to be doing is seeking within ourselves and looking for God within our own energies, which is what my practice is daily. Uh, and, and from that state, if you're in process with something, I learned this a lot from a lot of the Eastern things I've worked in and, and getting into the herbalism of that, is that if you're in process in something, you have the ability to help another in that process. doesn't mean you want to be posting up a workshop and claiming you're an expert in it. But if you're yes. learning how to do something and it's working you, we have a responsibility to share it with the world. So we're now living in a time where human beings are starting to become empowered, starting to realize that we can, we're all leaders of this planet and leaders of one another. And it's, it's amazing. And in there too is, you know, spending a lot of time with, with Drunvalo, Daniel's teacher and also mine too, right? And, and really beautiful and just being able to learn from that gentle soul and, and, and who he is. And throughout this whole process, what I was seeing in, in the meditation workshops that I was running, that people were showing up, they were doing the work energetically, but there was something missing. They, had, they weren't pooping properly. They didn't have enough energy. There was things going on, physical elements of that. Yes. And I had gone down the path of nutrition because I've always just wanted to, I see myself as a researcher of human behavior, of humanity. That's it. I just want to yeah. learn as much as I possibly can. So right. nutrition wasn't really helping that much because it's exhausting to spend time with people in that context. And I sat in meditation one morning and I just asked, I said, please, I need something for my physical health because I could feel it was deteriorating from the traumatic brain imagery injuries. I could, I really started to feel like I wasn't going to be on this planet much longer because of the, in the meditations and that. So I asked, please, God, something, right? And just by chance, an individual who had come to one of Daniel's workshops showed up in my home for a meditation a few weeks later. And when people were sharing what they did, he stood up and he said, I'm a, I'm a Shote practitioner. And when he said that, my, every cell in my being lit up. And what I came to realize to know and, and find another beautiful mentor of mine in this life, Terry Bell, who committed his life to health, studied all over the planet, and as much as he could put it all together, which is what the system of herbs that I, I, I work with him, which has allowed me to remedy my own ailments, overcome a heart attack, a stroke in this lifetime, just three years, four years ago, uh, and really been able to assist a lot of others with it. So, you know, I think it, again, it's a time where there's an accumulation of information coming together with the internet. We have access to so much. We definitely want to have mentors that are assisting us that have done it and know and know so that we don't make the mistakes that they made. Um, but it is a time for us to start letting go of our identities, our social positioning, our, this is the best way to do it. This isn't the way to do it. And just start to have an openness and see that there's a lot of beautiful people out there with a lot of beautiful information. And if we can live our lives in a way where we want to know what everyone else knows, not holding on to what we know so intensely and trying to force it down people's throats that we're going to move as, as human beings in our own life. And, and in turn as a population, which where else is it going to go right now? I mean, it can only go this way. I mean, it might that's go this right. way for, for a period of time before it does, but yeah. yeah. No, that's wonderful. And I know that um, you've done incredible work. Um, can you also share with us um, your experiences of teaching abroad? Definitely. I know you're... <laughs> it's okay. Yes. So... Teaching in different parts of the world um, has been an interesting one um, and very, very beautiful for me. It's, it just kind of came about. I never really saw myself as teaching or sharing this kind of work. I was just looking for salvation in my life, and I didn't even know what that meant. I just wanted to be happy. 
but I think by nature for anybody that's really committed to something um, and committed to it flourishing within their own life. So motivated, inspired for the right reasons. I think right now um, this is, you know, a piece of advice that I think, and not that I give it very often, but people, it's really good for people that be motivated within your life, not to try to get to some certain place because it, it won't work long-term. Be motivated within your life, within your practice to be the best human being you can possibly be to assist and help yourself, your family, your community and that. And just by nature, um, I started, uh, things started coming up. I started being contacted by people on social media and, and different individuals in different uh, facilities and running different programs, retreat centers and that, and asking if I would like to come and, and share, share whatever it is that I'm working on or workshops and that. And it's been interesting. I, I recently, I was in Nashville, which isn't abroad, but well, I guess to a degree if we're in Canada in Nashville and we're running, a, I do work with corporate teams too. And we're doing uh, one with um, there's some Spanish speaking people there. So there was a translator and it oh, was okay. really, and, and, and I, Daniel, my teacher would know this well, cause he does it all over the world. And, and my hat goes off to him even more so because of his patience with translation, but I'll never forget this. There's this, and these were guard gardeners, like the guys that are out there, like really working hard. And there's the two Spanish guys sitting there beside each other. And, and somebody said, I'm talking about meditation and, and his, he's looking to his friend cause he doesn't understand. And the friend says like monk like this, and he still doesn't get it. And then you see these two Spanish guys just going like this to each other so they could understand. I was oh, talking wow. about med meditation, but no, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I like traveling. I mean, I'm, I'm happy now being at home in Toronto because for my last five years, my hockey career, I was well, really, I left home at 17 and didn't get back till about 28. So traveling is wow. not where I'd like to be doing. And looks like now I'm not going to be doing much of it anyways, but it's been fun teaching all over the world, sharing the intelligence of the heart and more than anything, seeing that no matter where a person's at in their life, they have the capacity to feel the difference of what it is to be in their brain and be in their heart. And I believe that that feeling, that experience is the entry point for us to heal as a humanity. So yes, it's nice. Yes. Now I'm going to take you back just a little step. Uh, I know okay. that you had mentioned the male, female energies and how all of a sudden, you know, um, there's been this shift. And of course, you know, as a female, it's easier. Can you just uh, elaborate on that uh, so that the listening audience understands uh, male, female, what, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I, well, I think first, you know, the, the, ma the male physical body and the female physical body is one thing. And you have the masculine and feminine energy that resides within all of us. And when you come onto the planet in a male body, to my understanding and experience, you're typically 80% masculine, 20% female. And what that means is that we're more analytical, logical, the way the masculine energy functions, uh, putting things together, accountants, uh, carpenters, those types of professions. And the feminine energy is much more nurturing. If we look back before 2012, right, um, on this planet, you had, we were in masculine energy. We have this, this 26,000 year cycle. It's called the precession of the equinox. And all this is, it's very simple. This is science has proven this. It's the earth's relationship to where it is in the cosmos. That's it. And, and we were in a 13,000, less than 26,000 years. It's like 2,500 something um, nonetheless, we were in masculine energy for a very long period of time. Now, this has nothing to do with men or women. This has to do with the energy we were in before 2012. And, and before that, the 13,000 years, you, all you got to do is look back. Analytical, logical, competitive, economic growth. Doesn't mean that there wasn't any love there. And, there's, there's, and it's balanced because we live in polarity. There's a counterbalance to everything. 
That being said, that's where Mother Earth was residing, which means the way in which this planet flourishes and her children, which were in her womb, are going to be functioning within that way, with that kind of universal law, so to say. As we came upon 2012 and through 2012, December 21st, to my experience, again, I speak from my own experience, and again, with information given, but I meditate on it, our planet shifted from the northern galactic hemisphere of the Milky Way galaxy into the southern galactic hemisphere. It's like if you're sitting up north in the winter in Canada and you decide to fly south for a vacation, you feel lighter, you feel more vibrant. It's like that. We went from a denser energy, cold and you know, masculine, to a feminine energy that's much lighter. And 2012, we shifted into this corridor and it closed. I'm not too really sure when, but we are now in full feminine energy. And as we go deeper into feminine energy, things, unlike in masculine energy, which function in a very linear way and karmic debt and profit um, reside, right? Meaning that, you know, what you do now, there's an effect to it, right? And, and that lag in, in karma could be quite long when we're in masculine energy. In feminine energy, feminine energy is paradoxical in nature. Just, it's, it's just the way that it is. And creation becomes more instantaneous when things are paradoxical, when, when things can be right one moment and wrong the next. So we're starting to experience this to a degree now where people that aren't even into this type of stuff are experiencing that they think about something and it happens quicker or this happens, right? Now, this is very, very interesting because the totality and, 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 and of this planet, the way it's functioned, we look at business, has all been created in a masculine, masculine linear way, business. And in feminine energies, because the energy is speeding up, if you're holding on to those competitive type forceful energies, you're going to be creating those energies in your life much quicker. There's not such a lag. And this is where the masculine men specifically aren't getting it. I'm seeing friends of mine with really successful businesses their whole life just deteriorating. And they keep pushing in the same direction, doing things the way they did before, thinking it's going to work. And it's actually causing them to de deteriorate quicker. So yes. in these feminine energies, creation is speeding up, which means that you need to be hyper-focused on cleaning the traumas that you're carrying around within your physical, mental, and emotional bodies because those things are being created much quicker in your life. So all we really need to do right now is tend to what's necessary. It doesn't mean that you give up on working and doing things in a linear fashion, but it's the time for nurture, authentic nurture. We're seeing a lot of communities start to pop up that really aren't authentic from my perspective. And not, this isn't a judgment, but spiritual communities with leaders to them and you have to do things. This, this is about an uprising of humanity seeing that we all hold hold a part of the leadership on this planet and that we all have to just close our eyes and do the work when nobody's watching because if we don't do that as a population if we're only interested in doing the work like the coming together for i don't know million million person marches or million person meditations they're nice they're noble but what are you doing when nobody's watching get up in the morning and close your eyes go to nature spend time with yourself and be the vibration be the example you're looking to see um, be the change on this planet. Right. So is it fair to say then, Luke, that we are, um, we are right now as we speak, um, not in the old, but we're in the new, we're in the new dimension or the new, uh, we're creating the new earth as we speak. This is the new. What I, I would, yeah, I completely agree. You know, there's, 
talks about, you know, we're in the fourth dimension, all this kind of stuff. I, I personally just try to keep things to the experience of, of the simplicity of what it is to be human. And yes, we, we, we are in a new energy. We are in a new existence. I mean, look outside right now. If yes. people think, if people genuinely think, which God bless them if they do, that the COVID virus is going to end and things are going to go back to normal. This isn't about the beginning and end of COVID. This is the beginning of the collapse of the systems that we know to be our life. It's not that the people are falling apart or life itself is collapsing. Life is perfect. It's beautiful. You still have air. You still have health. You still have everything. Anybody who's sitting there listening to this right now more than likely probably doesn't need anything in this moment or this moment or this moment. If they start thinking to the future or the past, they might need something. Right. We're completely centered in this moment. And this is, it's, it's going to get ugly over the next couple of years, I really believe. And, it's, and I'm not a pessimist by any means, but the economic structure, the consumership that, is, that is, we've been so, so consumed in, uh, it's, all, it's all going by the wayside. And who knows what's going to happen? There's been a lot of business practices on this planet. The fact of the matter is, you don't got to get into conspiracy stuff. You just got to look at it from the perspective that the economy shuts down for a month and most of the population can't put food on their table. Right. And we're an evolved society. We think that we're, that we're doing something special here. We're a bunch of barbarians that are just concerned with consuming as much money as we can. And we're all willfully ignorant to it. So if you're yes. somebody, we're all, we're all, part, I order stuff from Amazon when I can yes. go to the corner store and take time out of my day. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, but eventually we're going to have to get back to the grassroots of what it is to be human because we're living in spite of our humanity right now. Yes, yes, totally. And well said, you know, it, it's amazing how when the world shuts down for, for one month and you cannot, cannot survive, you just don't know what to do. Yeah. And so habitual because, you know, you, we do, we have that men, uh, a very uh, consumerism is a huge part of our life. Now, what's a typical day look like for Luke? Typical day for me, I, yes. I get up in the morning yeah. at usually I wake up in a natural way. Um, so, so this practice for me happened naturally. I don't, I don't suggest that anybody forces anything. If you need to wake up to an alarm, I understand because you have work in that. But, but I go to bed. If we start at the end of the day, I go to bed usually or between 8 and 9 o'clock. Um, and then I'm usually up between about 3 and 4 in the morning. It's between 3 and a, but right when I get up, I'll do something to get my heart rate up. So that could be 50 air squats and 50 push-ups or something, something that is just not really focusing on much other than just getting a sweat on and getting, and getting my, my heart rate going in that. From there, I jump in the shower and I'll shower on hot for about a minute or so. And then I cold, a freezing cold shower for about four or five minutes, which engages my metabolism, starts what's called reverse thermogenesis or cold thermogenesis, which the body starts heating up from the inside out. Traditional thermogenesis is, you know, the kind of idea that uh, if I just ate a thousand calories and I go jump on the Stairmaster for a thousand calories that they even out. It doesn't work that way. Um, so I work with cold quite a bit. And then from there, I come out of there and I do preparatory exercises to stimulate the prostate gland and work the sexual energy inside of my body properly. It was um, a big part of Kriya Yoga is in, in, in Tantra practice, which has nothing to do with sex. I mean, there is an aspect, a Tantra of pleasure with Kama Sutra, but most Tantras are, a Tantra 
uh, translates to a doctrine or a body of work. Well, the way we speak about Tantra in, in the Western world, we butchered it completely. Yes. So, but a big part of Tantra, what Tantra is, is to, is to stabilize the energies within you so you're connected to the cosmos and also to the earth here. But I do preparatory exercises of reverse breathing, which stimulate the prostate muscle. Um, these, are, these are very intimate to me because for a very long time in my life, my sexual energy was all over the place. Um, so moving the energy to be able to, and for men to be able to use the creation energy, right, is what it really is, um, to become more, have more vitality, to be healthier, to be more compassionate these types of things. And then I sit for anywhere from one to two on a rare occasion. It's longer than two hours. Um, and, and, and that in, and in Kriya yoga. So breathing through my spine, um, and following the, the teachings and offerings and in, in the level that I'm at in, a, in an embodiment of that, you know, sometimes I'll integrate some chanting and think kind of whatever it is, but Kriya's Kriya has been the path for me from there. I, I go for a walk in nature. <laughs> And I wow. speak to the trees and just touch Mother Earth and say thank you for everything that you constantly give to me. And that it's, it's kind of what I saw was it's like if my mom's staying with me at my apartment and I wake up in the morning, first thing I'm going to do is hug her and kiss her. Yeah. So why wouldn't I do the same with my divine mother? So then I go to nature. All of this, you know, you're taking now again, I'm up early. I come back from my walk, walk and I. Uh, I have a beautiful conservation area in the middle of Toronto, which is nice. It's, it's, nice. That, I mean, I mean, for, for a big city, it's yes. kind of like a, it's kind of like a ghetto fabulous conservation area. It's not like, <laughs> I'm, it's not like, it's not like I'm in the middle of, uh, I don't know, uh, Joshua tree park or something. So, right. but it's, but it works for me. I sit by the Don river, which is dirty and it's okay. There's birds and there's stuff like that. Then I come home and I usually read for a half hour or so. And, once I've done all that stuff, that's really the only thing that is, not that the rest of life isn't important to me, but that's really the only fundamental thing that whole three or four hours there um, that, that is really what's important to me. And that alone, I think for anybody, it does not need to be that extensive. Uh, I think it'll flourish into it as you really go dive within yourself. Uh, and, then I, and then I work a little bit, whatever that is. I, I work a little bit one-on-one with people. Um, you know, work with groups, teach workshops. Now these are difficult, interesting times. I shouldn't say difficult. So that's happening. Then in the afternoon, I'll usually do a little bit of exercise, something, whatever that is. And, and, you know, dinner is, is quite early, 6 PM in the last few hours of the evening, some meditation or just relaxation, maybe watch a movie and repeat wow. the following day. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it gets, it's pretty much the same day yeah. in, day out. And, and I really love it in the early stages. It, you know, it's, it's our, the brain is so, wanting i mean yes. just uh different things going on you know and all that and i think with time as you just sharpen the sharpen the tool of the mind sharpen the sword and you're yes. able your concentration is able to stay single pointed and and really the amazing thing is when you feel really 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 good and connected to yourself time yes. flies yes it's like yes. the morning all of a sudden it's the nighttime the only time slows down, only, only time slows down when we're miserable. Time slows down when we're doing the things that we're not supposed to be doing, which yes. is you know, these different behaviors and stuff, too much yeah. social media, too much drinking, too much, all these different things. So, you know, I eat a, I eat a plant-based diet once a month. I'll have grass fed beef in that. I find that for the fat in my brain, it helps, helps really well with a lot of traumatic brain injury, but really simple. Drink lots of water, smile. Isn't that beautiful? What else no, can we do? 
I mean, it's, it's amazing because, uh, you know, your story, the path that you've taken, everything you've been through uh, is so inspirational. And uh, of course, that leads me to the next question is, when is that book coming out? Mm. We're about half, uh, halfway through the book. Uh, it's uh, so interesting. I started reading the book. Yeah. started writing the book 10 years ago with a ghost writer who had become a friend of mine. And yes. back then the book was at all the guys from the hockey world, you know, you got to tell all the, the, you know, the ridiculous stories from when you played hockey. And that's how we started. Yeah. And that didn't sit right. So we went in a different direction and, and we started back up again about six months, a year ago. And we're taking our time with it. We come together two to three times a week on zoom like this and talk yes. for an hour. I write some stuff. He's, you know, refining and writing and that. And probably I would say, I would like to have it out within six months. So okay. we'll, 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 we'll see. We're holding you to that six yeah. months. We're holding you Perfect. to that because we're, we're, there we're has moving, to be. <laughs> we're moving strong. We're moving hard with it. We're pushing. We're, we're in action on it weekly. So, um, you know, the thing is, is we, we, we got about half of it done. We scrapped it and we started over and we're writing it now in, in the context of a movie. You know, I played nice. one, I played one game in the NHL, yes. one game. I was there for a cup of coffee. So we're using that one game in the NHL and then having yes. small other stories splinter off of it about, you know, teachings that I learned throughout my life. And I would, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, I feel really blessed to be able to share the story. I know it's a little bit outlandish to a lot of people. Then again, I think a lot of our lives, if we look back, are, are full of all kinds of exuberant and weird experiences and that it's just clothed in their own way. And, and the biggest thing for me is, is more than anything, I just want people to know that the power lies within them and, and they don't need to give their power away. They don't need to be told what to do by other people. They need to follow guidance and assistance, but to really just see that, that, that they do, that they are beautiful. They are perfect they they can do this right so that's if it can right. help one person that's really my only interest yeah no no that's a beautiful thing that's a huge give and um and the very last question of course is um a lot of listeners out there they have a lot of emotional baggage that they're carrying around and i know that you had mentioned earlier uh, about the necessity to make sure that they're dumping that stuff as fast as it's coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, one tool that you can uh, give them in order to help them make the process a little bit faster and easier. The, you know, it's interesting when we look at trauma, because when we look at trauma from the brain, which is traditional therapies, which I went through a lot of them, psychiatric work, uh, therapy, psychotherapy, really beautiful stuff. However, only get us to a point of stability from my own experience. For others, they may say different and, and I completely understand um, because we're working through the same way of thinking that created them. So yeah. at some point, and a lot of that therapy-based stuff is necessary for us to get to the point where we can move into something else. So, you know, one, one tool that anybody can do that helps and assists now, let me to back up just a moment. When we're looking at the memory of stuff, we're going back to specific experiences where, okay, well, that thing happened. We need to talk through that. When we use this tool, which is going to nature, when we go to nature with our stuff, we can have the intention to let go of something. However, typically what's coming up in your immediate life today is not the source of where it's coming from. It's coming from way back when. A really good tool, you can literally just go stand um, with a tree in front of you. This was given to me by my teacher. And as you inhale, you feel the tree exhaling into you. And as you exhale, you feel, feel the tree inhaling. And you sit there for about 10 minutes. So 
So the tree is literally exhaling into you. And as you exhale, the tree is inhaling. And you just say a simple prayer or something. Just ask the tree to, to gently assist in cleaning my traumas or my suffering or my anxiety or my whatever it may be. Um, it really works beautifully. If done daily, you do that for a 30-day period of time, 10 minutes a day, you really start to notice that things in your life are happening differently in the way that you react to them, which you might not even know the trauma that got cleaned or fragment of it that got cleaned, but your life is showing up in a different way. For anybody yes. that really wants to go deep down the rabbit hole and, and really move beyond this dimension, because when you move into a, a, a field of energy where creation is instantaneous, you can't have any fragments of fear in your field. And this is why, not just that we need to clean our traumas to be able to live a more efficient, beautiful, um, accessible life, but we need to clean them so we can navigate what life's going to look like when you transition beyond this physical body so you don't come back into a third-dimensional physical body. To get to that point, seek out whatever your heart is telling you as a mentor or as a teacher or somebody that can introduce you to some things um, to assist you to, to, really, to really get into cleaning it meticulously uh, like, a, like a surgeon. But go to nature. nature. Nature is the simplest way for us to dissolve of the energies we take on, dissolves of the cortisol and norepinephrine from the EMF, the, the Wi-Fi that we take on, but also she knows she's stronger than any, any guru in a physical body or any master can teach you or any Reiki master. And God bless them for everything they do. But Mother Earth, look at the size of this beautiful energy. Go to her. And go to her in a benevolent way. Stop littering, stop spitting, stop doing stuff, and, and just go to her in a way of openness and, and kindness and benevolence, and, and she'll help you. Wonderful. Yes, and very well said. And on that note, uh, we are here uh, at the end of the uh, show, and I know that we are going to have Luke back, and we're going to have Luke with another dear friend, Chris, and we have um, at least... Uh, a certain subject matter that we'll explore a little bit more in detail because they are just uh, amazing, amazing teachers. And, um, and, you know, they have a lot to share because they've been through a lot. And that's the beauty of it. Now, Luke, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? And yes, we will sit at the edges of our seats waiting for that book to come out. I'm going to hold you to it. Six months. I know. They, now, and they... <laughs> Good, good, good. Because yeah, yeah. you have that kind of energy. I don't, I don't want six months from now, my door getting knocked on and you whipping my butt. So we're, we're on it. I'll keep you updated. Uh, my website, lukesellers.com, L-U-K-E-S-E-L-L-A-R-S. -E -L -L uh, you can drop a note there where it says get in touch and I always get back to you. Facebook, I'm, I'm active on Facebook. On YouTube, you can also look me up. There's a series of meditations there. But best way to directly contact me would be through my through my website and uh, I'm always available. I always get back to people in a, in a timely manner within 72 hours at the latest, usually within that day. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I love to hear from people. I love to hear, I love to hear people's journeys and stories. So even if you just want to share an aspect of something, because it's really, really amazing. It's the time for that now. So Sal, I really, really love you. I thank you so much for, I knew when I met you in Sedona years ago and heard you share in such an eloquent way that, we would have a beautiful friendship and it's just been an honor for me to be on here with you and to come together with Chris, who's a magnificent human being. He's got a much yes. better hairdo than I do. 
<laughs> I can't say that. I can't say that. No, he's, uh, he's amazing. You're amazing. And I think that there's a lot to be said for the generation. And I, and I always say that generation because Luke is very close in age with my, um, I have, I have two grown uh, sons. And so uh, he also is a professional athlete. So it's amazing. Yeah. that there's so much that he reflects uh, of, of my younger son. But um, on that note, I really, really, truly want to, sh uh, you know, say thank you from the bottom of my thank heart, you. Luke. Thank you, thank and you. to all the listeners out there, I'm Cylindron Buller, your host of Uplifting Humans, where we honor, empower, educate, and inspire the listener with real stories and expert advice. I will have Luke's uh, email and, uh, sorry, I will have Luke's Facebook page as well as his website on um, YouTube. We'll post that up also on the podcast. So if you want to look that up, you have access to it. Thank you so much and everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you, Seth.